Welcome back to the self-care unit. This week, we're so happy to have Nick Thompson for a Mental Health Matters episode. You may know Nick from Reality TV, but he is also a passionate mental health advocate. His work, which we'll get into, is all about building human connection, challenging mental health stigmas, and empowering people to be their best selves. Welcome, Nick. So good to have you. Hey, thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you. The, we love to like kind of check in, see how everyone's doing. So how are you doing this week? Um, I'm doing okay. It's been, um, you know, we're coming out of, out of the holiday weekend. So it's like getting back into, I don't even know what the groove of what, but the groove of life. Right. And, and, um, you know, just em- embracing with beautiful weather in Chicago, we've had a great weekend. It's been a long winter. So doing okay with all of that definitely helps. How about you? Chicago's like top three cities for me. I would honestly live in Chicago. It's so amazing. So I'm super jealous of like nice weather in Chicago. I always hear that it's amazing in the summer and I've always gone in the winter and still loved it. Um, Also, my birthday was yesterday. So my birthday almost always falls on Memorial Day. So (laughs) it was like kind of like a, you know, not like super exciting birthday. And my husband, my husband's birthday is three days before mine. And I worked all day during his birthday. And it was really, really, really sad. And I didn't get to actually see him till like 9pm. And we had Taco Bell in bed. And that was the celebration. That's the life right there. <laughs> I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. Right? So I mean, it was pretty, it was honestly not terrible. <laughs> but it was just kind of bittersweet that I didn't get to like yeah. say happy birthday until like late at night. Um, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but it's okay. We're also moving to from Florida to California. So we have this like big cross country uh-huh. move at the start of the month. So in like one month. And so we have like oh, wow. 30 days to get everything together. And so we basically Good spent luck. our birthday weekend like prepping for that. <laughs> emotionally and also everything else (laughs) yeah moving on its own is like such a daunting depressing awful experience I can't even imagine moving from Florida to California yeah so we're gonna try to make it like an amazing experience by going across the country with our corgi and stopping at like different landmarks like who knows going to New Orleans um someone said to go to the Grand Canyon like if you have any suggestions DM (laughs) us and let us know because we're gonna definitely like try to at least capture some of what we do because it's like a once in a lifetime trip so we're kind of trying to make the most of it make the most of it but it's so stressful (laughs) oh I I mean I can't even imagine How, how long are you planning to commute for I think probably like three to four days okay maybe maybe okay getting out of florida is a full day you know yeah oh, yeah so it's gonna be <laughs> tough that's the next thing i have to plan actually is our logistics for the move move like this week is tackling the lease then after that is tackling how it's gonna actually happen with a dog so <laughs> yes <laughs> Carly, how are you doing? Good. Just, just trying to, my immune system just needs to do a little bit better. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but it's going around at work and it's going around everywhere. 
my family back home in Indiana said they just got through like a big stomach bug that was going around over there. So I'll take sinus infection over oh, stomach man. bug any day. So I'm good. Yeah. I'm feeling Anything pretty good. Is better than stomach right? issues. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Yes. Well, so Nick, just to get started, how did your mental health journey begin? Could you kind of tell everyone about that? Yeah. Um, well, for starters, I was, I grew up Catholic and I went to a Catholic school. So I didn't really even know anything about mental health. They don't really teach you, or at least in a, in a way that really resonates in, in reality. And that's not a, you know, that's not a knock on anyone in any religion or anything like that. But, um, I learned about what mental health was depression and anxiety in high school and realized probably a bit later in high school that like, Hey, I think I've suffered from depression since I was like six years old. Um, which was around the time my parents separated and then eventually divorced. Um, and I just had these, these feelings of, of loneliness and isolation and not feeling, um, like I was connected to anything or like I really cared about anything. And so it was a, you know, an up and down journey until I started to finally realize what it was and, you know, they say like name it to tame it. Right. And I thought just naming it was all I had to do. So now it was OK. But it was something that I couldn't really talk about. I didn't have the network at the time, um, you know, growing up and going into my 20s and stuff to really have uh, real conversations about it with people. So I kind of say, I, you know, I meandered in my 20s. Um, just pretty much being depressed and saying, OK, well, this is just how it's going to be. So, you know, just keep choosing if you want to like live like this and and then how are you going to do it? Um, so I struggled a lot in my twenties. I had, um, you know, days where I couldn't get out of bed um, and I would just isolate and that would be my coping mechanism would just be, you know, be alone. You'll get over this. You'll get through this. You can always count on yourself. Don't put this on other people. Um, and then I, I started my therapy journey in 2016 um, which was me finally just hitting this point where I had a, a relationship that wasn't working. I was having, you know, st stress in my job that I had never had before. Um, I had cycled through, um, you know, some important relationships, uh, friendships, I mean, in, in the years and had kind of shed some people that weren't meant for me, um, including, you know, people that I, I was very close with for a very long time. And I just hit this point where I'm like, nothing is working for me anymore. Like, this isn't working. Like, I'm not okay. I I have to see someone. And so I reached out and I, I found a therapist um, just literally from reading profiles on, I don't even remember, maybe, I don't even remember, whatever, one of those sites that you can find a therapist <laughs> on. And I found one and I remember just reading um, and it was almost like a vibe. And I just remember reading her profile and I'm like, you know, she seems relatable just in the way that she writes. And so I reached out and I started seeing her. I see her to this day, um, you know, sometimes more often than others. But the tools that I've learned to put structure around, like, I don't, I don't know if triggers is the right word, but like around things that that can put me in a bad mental space, which is a lot of boundaries. And that's boundaries with family, boundaries with friends, um, boundaries with work, all of those things. And along with like putting structure in my day so that I have something to do. 
And that can be as simple as like one of the things I did was get a dog so that I have to get up every morning because this dog is counting on me to take them for a walk. So things like that, um, you know, and and pre-COVID, it was you're going to do hot yoga four times a week at the gym. And, you know, it was like things like that. And you're going to get up and do it Saturday morning. Um, Here's how you, you know, plan your Sunday evenings when the Sunday scary start to set in and, and all that. And so it was like these tools, these structures and in place and putting boundaries around people that that would take too much or not meant for me was really a huge, um, huge learning for me. And then, you know, a lot of that was was really challenged when we were all locked down during COVID, too, because, um, you know, I was isolated. I was alone uh, with my dog most of the time. And obviously you couldn't, you know, do things. You know, my friends and I had Thursday happy hours that we would do every Thursday, um, like a guy's night. And, you know, that was important to me to kind of like have something to do during the week on that day. So there were all these things that just I had to put structure around and and it was challenging COVID, but I stuck to it. Like I just built new structures and new things that I was going to do to make sure that, um, you know, it didn't get the best of me and it didn't get me down. And I I think that was, um, you know, to this day, I'm learning how to like apply these tools that I've learned, the skill set that I've developed so that I can always sort of be my best self and know there's good days and bad days and that's okay, but know that I'm always going to come out of it and put things in place that are going to help me sort of stick to it. Yeah. Good for you. That's really, yeah. That's such a like great overview too of, of your journey, kind of how you went from just trying to go through it alone to finding the tools that you needed, finding the therapist that you needed and the support that you needed. And anytime I've like sought therapy or have asked like friends or colleagues, psychology today because you can put your zip code, I think, I think and it went, gives actually. you, yes, it gives you a, like a detailed list of people in your area who are on the actual site and they have bios and they also kind of talk to what specific things they treat are and whether or not they um, are able exactly. to prescribe medications and things like that. And it doesn't go into like nuances, like something that healthcare workers struggle with is finding clinicians who can support them who actually understand what it's like to work in healthcare. And I think hopefully in the future that can evolve and we can actually have a list of clinicians who work with healthcare workers and be able to offer that to people. But for now, just to be able to find someone in your area that might work for you and has like almost like a Tinder or Facebook for therapists. I'm not even kidding. I I suggested for the UCAN Foundation because we have you know, so I don't know if we'll talk about that, but, um, you know, our not-for-profit to help connect um, uh, reality TV contestants with mental health uh, services and legal services, we got so many um, mental health professionals reach out. I was like, you guys, we just got to build an app and be like, here's the app. Swipe if you like the profile. Swipe right if you don't like the profile. Yeah. Left. I think it might be the future. It's the deeper relationship. Like, you tell your therapist things you don't tell anyone else and so mm-hmm. like being able to choose one based on things that are really really important to you and having access to that before you meet them so you don't have that trial and error where you're like that awkward like phase where I'm like I am this is not working and I have to break up with yeah. you therapist I am so very sorry and sometimes people just go through continuing sessions I would be that person with someone that it doesn't work because you feel bad and you don't want to waste someone's time. And like, right. that's just not, yeah. not healthy. 
Well, and I think too, it's important that people know like choosing a therapist is like choosing your friends. It's like choosing a partner. You don't, you're not going to, just because they're a therapist doesn't mean that they work for you. Just like because someone's a good person doesn't mean that they'd be a good partner or a good friend for you. So I encourage people like, don't get discouraged if you are seeking out a therapist and you have to go through a few before you, you realize that you found one that works for you because you'll learn along the way, just like in any other kind of relationship, you'll learn what works for you and what doesn't. And you'll hone in your, your, um, your craft and figure out who exactly it is that's going to help you. I think people get discouraged if it doesn't work out a time or two. Definitely. I was doing better help and that was the first time I ever did therapy. And I went through, I think three before I found a girl that we like clicked immediately. But then as we started talking more and more, it was hard for me to draw the line between friendship and therapist because we just were very similar people and we talked the same and we she would just be like, yeah, for sure, girl. And I was sitting there thinking, I like you as a human being, but I feel like you're not helpful for me and what I need right now because I need someone to give me that tough love and give me tools. And we were kind of just having a talk, like a talk over coffee or something, which was great. It was amazing for me to start talking. Sometimes but, you need that. Right. Yeah. But then I got to the point where I think after a while and it was nothing she did and we had a great ending to that um, therapy relationship but I just said I need someone that's gonna like (laughs) give me the tough stuff give me the stuff that I need to hear and that's something I think people should address when they're going through that process they're like what do I need like what do I respond to Um, you know and that's something that I still learn myself and especially now with like times just always kind of being like peaks and valleys and you know you you never know when you're going to show up and in a Google alert, or you never know what's really gonna, you know, come up in a day. It's good to have like an understanding of what you need. Like, do you need tough love? Do you need empathy? Do you need support? Most of us probably need a combination of all of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sometimes you don't even know until you start going into it and you're like, Oh wait, I need, yeah. I need something else. Yeah. So you kind of brought it up, but I want to talk about your, you can foundation which you mentioned is dedicated to ensuring that all reality TV cast members are affording mental health and legal services before, during, and post-filming. But can you talk about why you wanted to start that and what you were seeing that made you want to make a difference? Yeah. I um, <clears throat> when, when I was going through just the whole process for Love is Blind, whether that was the casting process, filming, figuring out what to do with your life, post-filming but before the show comes out and then the impact it has on you when the entire public um, in in a global show because it's Netflix has opinions on your relationship has opinions on you um, all from you know hour and 15 minutes that they've seen of your your life and your love story right so having gone through that and the experience that Danielle and I had and to see sort of both of our our confidence both of our um, you know, uh, good feelings and good intentions were kind of just whittled away and deteriorated away. All while we had no mental health support on set during conflicts or anything like that outside of what we maybe had personally, right? So it's a total different, um, it's a total different dynamic. And when I think about everything that's happened since coming out of that show or even filming that show, for both Danielle and I, and I've seen other people and the challenges that they've had too. I just, I feel like there is an ethical responsibility to treat people like human beings and not exploit them for the entertainment of others. I mean, it is like, how far away are we from the hunger games 
if we have people that are working 18 to 20 hours a day and they're under this intense pressure cooker environment where every day you're making a life altering decision and you're making it without out of your reality, you're making it out of your support system. I mean, you get engaged without ever talking to any of your friends or family. Think about that for a second. And then you're expected to come back and have these controlled environments where you're you're maybe meeting friends and family, but it's not necessarily under any type of normal circumstances. So you're just you're just constantly in these sort of unrealistic scenarios trying to build this relationship without the foundation of what actually builds a relationship. And then both of us, you know, just had different struggles, of course, but just seeing what it did to her, seeing what it did to me, knowing what it did to us, I couldn't sit there anymore and be like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to let this happen to other people because I'm not. And I, I used to sit around and say some things like, oh, something's wrong over here. Somebody should say something. Well, if, <laughs> yeah, someone should say something. And if no one's going to say something, I guess I'll take the the mantle there and it'll be me that'll say something. So that's kind of what, why I wanted to start this. Um, you know, I, we couldn't find a couples therapist after we couldn't get any help. We couldn't get any support. Um, it took us a number of months before we were able to find someone. And, and honestly, by that point, like you, the show helps you build toxic conflict resolution skills or lack thereof because they're trying to drum it up for drama because producers are there to produce a scene not produce a relationship so like you build these patterns and these habits and then it's so hard to like step back and be like wait a minute you know we this isn't us this isn't how we want to be this isn't who we are as individuals let alone as a couple but like it's so difficult i just don't want anyone to go through that i don't want anyone to feel the pressure that they can be defamed the pressure that they can be misrepresented and they have no recourse to even correct the record because they sign a contract that gives them a fine and the mental toll that that takes on you to sit there and be like, what can I say and can't I say if I'm misrepresented? And I I don't feel like I personally was misrepresented too much, but I will say like there were there were things that, you know, I watched what happened in Mexico and Love is Blind. I'm like, that's not how I remember that happening. You feel like you're getting gaslit. And there were other other things like that too, but you know, to see the way some people were represented and some were were you know, better represented than others, but to know that like you don't have the recourse and the people that I've talked to since launching the foundation, you they're scared to say something, even though they were completely misrepresented scenes were edited out of order, all sorts of stuff like that. And to me, like nobody should have to go through that just so that we can produce a reality TV show where, you know, you give up basic human rights and, and sacrifice your mental health for a social media following. Ah, I, I think about like, it leads into like that larger conversation of like parasocial relationships and how people see you either on social media or in reality TV and are not given actual like context into your life as a person outside of that. And so they're given that representation of you and believe they have the right to speak on you, judge you, and all based on such a fraction of your light and your your life and also an edited version of your life something that just come to came to mind to me before even recording this episode with you is like you kind of wish that some of what is on reality tv was scripted so that people aren't having to put like everything out there the way that they are on some of these shows mm-hmm. like i would rather it be a scripted conversation than 
kind of feeding people into saying things that maybe they should not have said and then airing yeah. it out to the public. And maybe not even in the context that they said it in. And exactly. that's the that's also damaging. Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's heartbreaking to see like how that unfolds and it's, it's there's a reason that you feel really uncomfortable watching it too. Mm-hmm. But that's what fuels some of the viewership is that discomfort. And it's like where where do we draw that line? Yeah, like playing with people's lives and emotions. Yeah, it's like little sim characters. You're like, okay, you go there and you go there, and then yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've I've talked to contestants from other shows, and I actually I don't even want to call contestants. I don't know why I keep saying that. Like it's it's cast, right? You're cast on these shows, and hearing some of the stories of of how like people have lost their businesses because of how they were presented, and they got flooded with negative reviews, or hearing how. You know, some some people are like literally have family emergencies that they're not allowed to stop filming for. And, you know, we had a few of our own, too, at the same time where we're, you know, we're like doing a cake tasting and, you know, she had something going on with her family and I had something going on with my family. And neither one of us were like we wanted to do a cake tasting. And then you go in there and your nervous system's heightened and you're agitated and you're worried about what's going on with your family. But, hey, let's taste, you know, seven cakes and see if we can have a a conversation about whatever they want you to talk about that day. It reminds me of like nursing school. We had multiple people throughout nursing school. Like it's a two year journey for some four year for some and life doesn't stop when you're in nursing school. Right. And something might happen and you're still expected to take an exam the next day or a quiz the next day or turn in a project on time. And it's like, (laughs) is that fair? Why not like actually support people through what they go through regardless of what, the bottom line is. I completely agree. And why? Yeah. Like what, wouldn't it be compelling to see like Danielle and I navigate a family emergency together? Wouldn't that be compelling? Whether like anyone wanted to be on screen or not, like how do we talk to each other? What do I need? What does she need? That would have been just as compelling as us arguing over a cake tasting. Right. Exactly. I'd watch that. I want to see like the authenticity and like real life things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You have a podcast called Eyes Wide Open with Nick Thompson. Um, What made you, like, what inspired you to start that and have the power of storytelling um, through people and human conversations? What guided you towards that goal and kind of what's the mission behind that? Yeah, so Eyes Wide Open is a, um, it's a podcast that was formerly called Conversations with Nick Thompson. I just rebranded it for season two. Um, my purpose for starting this, and I wanted to start a podcast forever. It was initially going to be about fantasy football. Then it was going to be about movies. It evolved over to come this. But, um, you know, one of the things that I've really learned throughout my professional career and my personal development journey is that everybody is so unique and everybody has their own things going on. And we have so many preconceived notions that we make as individuals and not even ill-willed most of the time, but you make these preconceived notions and then you, you kind of project them onto people that may or may not be true. And I feel, I felt like there were things, whether it's, it's mental health, whether it's like holistic health and overall wellness, even news and politics, like all of these things that divide us and make us judge one another. If you sit down and you find the person behind that stigma, you can connect with people a heck of a lot better and 
we can be a heck of a lot more productive as a society if we can come together and just really listen to each other. And so I wanted to have a show where I could invite guests on that are experts, that have amazing stories, that have really bucked the trend of, of you know, traditional line of thought on a subject and have them on there to explain their journey, where they got their expertise from, how they ended up where they were. So, you know, now instead of having a conversation where you're talking about, you know, just therapy in general, like I'm having a conversation with, um, you know, someone who who's who's a male in the space and is like, here's my journey and how hard it is as a male to talk about this. And I think that's going to be so important for not just just the general public to hear, but like for an individual who's maybe thinking like, hey, you know, I, I could talk about this. I feel this way or I've never thought about that before or I've never, you know listened to to a conservative talk about what really matters to them because all you get are these little news bites and all you get are these little headlines and these mean comments and something that you'll read um you know and some oh the so-and-so is a narcissist and all of this stuff now and like they don't even know what that actually means now you could have narcissistic traits and not be a narcissist like we all have narcissistic traits like but people don't know and they don't have the nuances so i'm hoping that through storytelling in this podcast i can bring some shed some light on um, what's really going on in the world so that you can go into it with your eyes wide open. I like that. I love those conversations too. It's like really important, like you just said, because I, I'm, that is my goal is I feel like I've gotten a lot better, but it's to be more open-minded and, and sometimes just sitting down with someone and talking to them and realizing, Hey, you might feel this way really strongly. And I might be on the other side of that, but at the core of it, we're very similar people and we don't have to be aggressive about Mm -hmm. our differences and it's okay (laughs) to agree to disagree, you know? And you might change your mind a little bit. I was going to say, you know, I've had so many people on where I've changed my mind or or garnered a new perspective or I've changed their mind and they've garnered a new perspective. Or, you know, I've had people where we, you know, we can come together and be like, hey, we both think that mental health care should be available to everyone. We have different ways that we think it could be done. We have you know, people that come on that are experts in relationships or experts in divorce or breakups. And it's like, here's here's like why there shouldn't be a stigma around breaking up with someone or a divorce or anything like that. And just breaking down like what people are going through in their day-to-day lives that help shape who they are and show that to the world. Yeah, that's so important for us too in healthcare because every day you're seeing different people with different stories and backgrounds and what they're going through. And it's not even exactly what they're in the hospital for, but they have this whole other side of things that's going on. So it's it's nice to reiterate that and understand that there there's a human in there. It's not just a person in a vet. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's another thing that everyone should remember, <clears throat> try to remember, myself included, is everybody has responsibility. We all have to go through our day-to-day life, but you don't really know what's going on behind that smile, behind even behind that frown or those tears. So show everyone some grace and say, you know what? Maybe they have something going on that I I don't know and I shouldn't pass a judgment on. And one example I'll share, and I used to be guilty of this. Like if I was, and by the way, I was never, like I'm never mean to people, but like if I was in the grocery store or in a restaurant and someone would be rude or the server would be, you know, unattentive or whatever, I would kind of take it personally and I would get upset. And I'm like, you know what? Like whatever's going on there, I have no idea what's going on there. I had, I've had to go now I've had to go film cake tasting scenes when I wanted to be with my family. So like if they're having to serve, serve me a meal or 
ring me out at the grocery store when they had something like that going on. Like, who am I to judge? Like, show them some grace and, and, you know, be kind and tip well and like all of that stuff. And just try and do something to make that person's day a little bit better because you just have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. I love that. Just leading with kindness, regardless of like what you're met with. Because at the end of the day, it might not be something to do with you. It most likely isn't personal. And if you make it personal, that just makes it worse for you and that person. And I really, I really think it's important to kind of understand that we're all going through this really weird life <laughs> together. Yeah, we're all going through it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a weird we couple are years. <laughs> in it together. Yeah. It's funny. I was just talking to my, texting with my friend this morning. And she sent us a, she sent a picture of us all at a barbecue like five years ago, maybe. And I'm like, can you, do you realize how much we've all been through in the last five years? Like we went through a pandemic. You had a baby. I went on the show. I got married. I got divorced. I mean, like all this stuff in just the last few years has been crazy. And everybody has that story. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Definitely. I'm like, we all just need to like stop. And like you said, <laughs> go with the flow. <laughs> just go with it. Let it flow. Let it flow. There we go. <laughs> so what would you like to see in terms of progress within mental health realm and the stigma? Do you have a long-term goal with, with either your podcast or your foundation? Absolutely. So I have <clears throat> my personal ethos or my personal like vision for all of this is to remove stigmas around that. And remove them, you know, underneath there's different pillars like general for men, for young people, for young men. So you can break it down any way like that. I want people to be more comfortable talking about it so that we can open up bigger conversations that need to happen in terms of acceptance, in terms of not stigmatizing someone who has mental illness, in terms of making sure everybody gets access to mental health care and health care in general, by the way, big proponent of everyone having health care. And so I think from my perspective, like I would ultimately love to see more people talk about it so that we can open up these larger conversations about what we need as a society to heal. Because we are, there are so many hurt people. There are so many people dealing with trauma, and we don't give people the resources to be successful. So I would love to see that. In terms of the podcast, I'm just going to keep trying to tell individual stories that are connect with a couple people out there and change their mind um, as a part of, of this overall vision. And then with the UCAN Foundation, I want to make sure that we not only get change in the immediate for people who need the support mental health wise or legally. But I also want to change the way that we produce reality TV so that we don't have to have a you can foundation. Why? I would love for us to get to a place where we have basic labor laws because reality TV has escaped all labor laws over, you know, the last 30, 40 years that's been in, in existence in some form. And I want to make sure that there's some accountability on these production companies to treat people properly, make sure they have access to food, water, and mental health services and anything that they need so that they can be themselves, be healthy mentally and physically while they're making these shows. Because the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is insane and it's completely immoral, it's unethical, and it's all to produce something that isn't even really that real and for entertainment purposes. And then all you get is shut up, you signed up for this, look at your social media following. Like, I'm sorry, but you can't give away basic human rights and your mental health for 
you know, a million followers, let alone whatever people get coming out of a show. You lost me at food and water. I'm like, y'all don't have food and water. Like what is going on? This is the hunger games. Oh, I mean, it was, it was rough. Um, I lost 15 pounds in the first oh uh, three weeks of filming. Cause we were in the pods and then in Mexico and we just didn't get regular access to food and water. It was just kind of, you know, you'd ask for it. Sometimes you get it. I drink a ton of water. I drink over a gallon a day. And to, to be like, here's two water bottles. I'm like, um, okay, is that rest of the case on the way or? Right. Oh my I think if you really pay close attention, especially in the most recent season, like this is very believable, um, especially if you've watched the show. So, But hey, I heard they showed footage of a stocked <laughs> fridge. Like, oh, gosh. No, like basic <laughs> human rights for everyone and not like – it's just ridiculous, you know, that you have to ask for that. But as healthcare workers, like totally. we have to ask for Bathroom basic breaks. standards too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Nick, for being with us today. We did mention his podcast, yeah. Eyes Wide Open. There is a new season out, so check it out in the rebranding. You can also find him on Instagram at nthompson513 or on his website, engagewithnick.com. So thank you again. I really love this conversation. Very important. Thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. Yeah, and thank you for this conversation. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this was awesome. And, you know, we're super aligned. Operation Happy Nurse, don't clock out. Our entire goal is to destigmatize mental health and to have these conversations. So thank you, Nick. Bye, everyone. Thank you.